or there is a valuing of the masculine in men and there's a denying of the feminine in, in men and there is a appreciation and valuing of the masculine in women so you become cool and bold because you can ride a motorcycle and a whatever but if i can do an intricate crochet design which yeah. i'm equally fond of yeah it is not so incredible yeah this is the first time that i'm telling the story hello there and welcome to whips and chains an individual can be sold innumerable times what are the whips that we flog ourselves with often i discovered cancer at breast cancer and what are the chains that bind us down phir maine youtube pe dekha ki female feticide hota kaise is something i want to explore in my show they're orphans it's okay it's okay गर्दन निकलती है बाकी हिस्सा ऐसे ऐसे करके निकलता है यार इतना बड़ा पाप होता अपने गांव में इट्स हॉरिफिक समबडी पास्ड मी बाय एंड हिट माय बम ही डिड हैव अ पर्सनालिटी डिसऑर्डर कई बार मैं सो ही नहीं सका ऑल द ट्रैफिकर्स दैट आई हैव सीन दे आर कॉमन पीपल लाइक यू एंड मी शी सेड कंदा तू दे बटा पुत्र तू इफ यू टॉक अबाउट ह्यूमन ट्रैफिकिंग इट्स अ बिलियन डॉलर बिजनेस देयर वाज अ लॉट ऑफ वायलेंस अ लॉट ऑफ एग्रेशन बड़े-बड़े पुल बना दोगे उनसे ह्यूमैनिटी तो नहीं बनने वाली and welcome to whips and chains hello there welcome to whips and chains the safe space where we use our unfiltered voices and our unmasked faces to talk about things that society asks us to shush every episode i bring up something that we make um, ourselves keep quiet about that we've held back and that we haven't given ourselves permission to talk about this time we are going to talk about all the emotional labor that women have been used to doing for centuries all the invisible little things that we don't quite accept that we take on quite uh, as early as the day we are born and to talk to us about all of this is my dear friend bhavna isar so hi bhavna and thank you for coming to the show and uh, it's really delightful to have you here because we've had these uh, kind of conversations about you know all of this stuff so um from what i understand you actually had quite an unconventional upbringing right with you know your dad and how you were brought up in a very sort of empowered um, sort of household so let's start from there actually and tell me a little bit about your childhood so that then we'll grow into this yeah congratulations for getting this started <laughs> delightful and uh, i am so grateful to the universe that you are in my life um like um, it is delightful to connect with uh, you know women at a certain wavelength that i cannot explain so um glad and lots of power to you thank you um thank you for asking me to tell my story i think my uh, my childhood begins a long before i was born actually and uh, what i like to say is that i am i have realized recently that i'm grateful and blessed to be in a family where um uh, women could do anything it was uh well into my 30s that i 
really understood the power of the fact that my great-grandmother, which I'm talking about 1900s, used to be a horse rider. And uh, it was spoken about in some very interesting ways that she used to smoke cigarettes as if it was a thing. Statement. Right? Yeah. Or so, like she was so bold that mm, she did yeah, these yeah, two yeah. Things, things, right? Yeah. And then I had these great aunts who were known to be uh, not just accomplished academically because we were a family from Lahore and uh, women going to college was, um, was yeah. ex expected, yeah. accepted. Standard practice. And also standard practice. There was no difference between the boys and girls in the house. And the stories were that uh, my grandfather's siblings were five boys and two girls. And this great aunt of mine was strong enough. So the, the boys would have an akara at home. Yeah. Okay. And they were therefore well-built. fighting den, right? Yeah. yeah. Akara is a, yeah. is a place like a gym. Gym, yeah. yeah. And my great aunt was strong enough to separate the fighting brothers, you know? So yeah. those are the kind of stories yeah. that I, of a household that I grew up in. So this is absolutely different from the norm, actually, right. of, you know, how women and particularly women in India and in, you know, on the subcontinent are grown up with because there's always all the things that the boys can do and so much that you cannot do because you're a woman. So you actually had none of that and you had a dad who encouraged you constantly. Everybody, not just dad. Um, so I cannot remember ever being told you cannot do this because you're a girl. And I think I'd like to bring in my mom here, for example. So the year that I was born, there was uh, a death of a close person in the family and um, my first birthday could not be celebrated. And soon after, my brother was born. Oh. And, uh, you know, a year later, so we have two years between us. So when it was his first birthday, there was a certain dynamic, yeah. right? Yeah. The boy of the family, my father was the only son, so his yeah. son, that All oh, we that, will celebrate yeah. the first birthday. And uh, my mother put her foot down. She said, uh, Bhavna ka first birthday jab tak nahi manega. Until we can celebrate Bhavna's first birthday, we will not have the yes. son's birthday. And I'm talking about early 70s. So, you know, That's or mid-70s. Mid yeah. So, it would have been something. Yeah. Even in that household, absolutely, for my mother to take that stance, and yeah, that's what I grew up in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, um, yes, I owe a lot to um, to the environment that I got. Yeah, yeah. And um, I remember you have this story. I mean, since I I also want to bring up the fact that you're a biker, <laughs> right? And I you're one of the few women I think who bikes across uh, places and I think you have a 
tribe of yes. biking women and yes. and this kind of very empowered sisterhood with strong backs like you were saying who yeah. can go on for hours and all of that and i remember you telling me that there's a story about how you first uh, took your father's uh, bike out and then yeah. you banged it up and then they asked you to go out again with it yeah. so tell me a little bit about about that yeah you know my father was a pilot in the air force very disciplined man and uh, being a pilot meant that you um incredible discipline for your health you are in charge of a plane and so many other things and air force so um middle class family uh, with a lot of effort he acquired a scooter his scooter was a bajaj chetak i love the fact that the scooter's name was chetak chetak <laughs> uh so many symbols there yeah, right yeah. Uh, and i was the elder one so i was used to getting privileges before my brother right. again unlike most households so i would have the privilege of whatever first and then my brother because that was the birth yeah. order yeah it had nothing to do with i was a girl, girl or, a boy or boy or whatever right so the first right to the scooter and a license was mine and i remember telling my dad that you know i'd like to learn and yeah. um so he said yes we will have to go through the thing about learner's license you know the right way of doing things mm-hmm. and even before the learner's license i had to put the blessed scooter on the stand off the stand multiple number of times till i could control it till i could manage the tilting of the scooter scooter yeah 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 and repairing and all of that so in a sense getting access to the scooter was like a rite of passage to adulthood right. Right? right it was like the sign to say i was old enough to have a license to have access to my dad's scooter and um i would have it before my brother so i was crossing the threshold <clears throat> right um i used to take the scooter to college um as i was studying i also had um yeah, an iit scholarship so yeah. i would spend a lot of time uh, so it was easier for me to use to the, the scooter, scooter. and save time mm-hmm. than go by the university yeah. special dtc bus so on one such trip i had a massive accident and uh, long story short uh, my dad was traveling at the time and i was home i was very scared that he would be upset but the only thing that i remember he giggled on the phone and said is my scooter okay it's <laughs> <laughs> like <Yeah>. okay <laughs> <laughs> i get the priority yeah <laughs> and um it was some time before he would come back home but um i um as i healed from my uh, bruises etc the first day i was able to walk my mom insisted that i went out again? for a ride and uh, she was inspired by the practice for pilots in the air force where if you had an air crash um the pilot was made to fly again lest the fear set in, set in. Mm. yeah and the same practice 
It was many years later that I heard many women say that either they would just not be allowed to ride a scooter by saying things like, you might break your bones, tumhare haath pair toot gaye, to tumse shadi kaun karega? So not right, allowed. Right. So not even allowed to get access to the scooter. Or um, another friend of mine said that I took the scooter or whatever that was prevalent, uh, motorcycles were not. So yeah, uh, for, yeah, yeah. but if I took the scooter, I had one accident, accident. and that was it. My mother said, that's, that's it. it. End of story, no more. So the privilege of having right. parents yeah. who did what they did, um, I think is is a huge is a huge one. No, this is sounding completely like the polar opposite of my evolution because my I think it was everything that you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. I was an only child. I was a girl, so I was just there was nothing that I could do. I mean, there was everything that was no, 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 you know. So I had to kind of constantly be in opposition and I found my way to develop this silent, secret rebellion. So I would do a lot of things that nobody knew about and that would be my victory. But yeah, permission, there wasn't any. So I think this whole idea of emotional burden on women, I think the first one starts with keeping a secret life, yeah. you know? And I think that starts very early yeah. in, in all of us. At least it's been with me as long as I have lived. So when was it given that you have such an empowered um, sort of, you know, childhood and, and all of that, when was it that the idea set in or you had this realization that your story was different from others and that there is such a thing as this invisible burden that is heaped on on women i think there are two different things here. yeah <clears throat> yeah the first one was that i think i just got on with whatever was offered to me i took it for granted i think i sat on my privilege for a very long time didn't think that I needed to do something about it for others. For example, when I started riding a motorcycle or something, it felt nice and different. So right. I stood out, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I don't think I thought about it like, oh, so what can I do, do. for other women who don't have don't access have to this? Yeah. So which is why I am very appreciative of Urvashi who started Baikarni um, because she had access, but she also thought about saying, how can I make this access available to many other women? Yeah. Right. Um, but I think I was blind to the privilege and access that I had. Uh, and Your path was different. Possibly. And um, uh, I'm grateful also that I was able to see it in a different light at one point. So when I got back to motorcycle riding, at that time, the world was a different place. Motorcycling was coming in like a... A hobby, like a passion, many more people were joining in, and um, I happened to find my tribe of, you know, motorcycling women, mm. which was not something that I had access to as a younger person. Yeah, and I happened to go for uh, an expedition to Mana Pass, and when we came back and we spoke about this first time ever, seven women 
going on their motorcycles to Mana Pass, that uh, on Twitter I was contacted by Rashmi Bansal of uh, you know the bestseller mm. fame, and she was crowdsourcing stories of women who are changing their destiny was the theme. Um, it was commissioned by Z for Likho uh, Apni Kahani series. Mm -hmm. And um, she said, I would like to tell your story. And I said, I don't have, I have a story of privilege. I didn't fight any odds. Mm. And she's the one who told me that every story matters. You have no idea how your story will impact yeah, I, you know, it provides a paradigm for others who don't have it to say, yes, this is possible, you know. That's I, I think that's, that's really the thing because I remember when you told me about, you know, all of that and that, you know, that Isar Parivar Ki kind of narrative. I was like, oh, wow, <laughs> there is such a thing, you yeah, know, that, you yeah, know, yeah. that, uh, so, you know, you were born entitled, empowered and, and, feeling in a way I, I think better than men right because uh, I mean you're you're a woman on top of all that right because you know entitled men and privileged men are still limited by being men but women have this sense of being able to carry everything and everyone with them it's sort of I think I don't know I like to think that it's inborn you know uh, when when women are liberated, they they can give themselves permission and and give a lot of other people permission. But you know, yeah. men don't have that that capacity. I mean, I have found. I I so so I started by saying that there are two tracks. Two here. tracks. Yeah, yeah. The other part is that I think we live in a world that is patriarchal and that values masculine over feminine. Right. And what that means is that I think there is a pressure or there is a valuing of the masculine in men and there's a denying of the feminine in, in men and there is a appreciation and valuing of the masculine in women so you become cool and bold because you can ride a motorcycle and a whatever. But if I can do an intricate crochet design, which yeah. I'm equally fond of, yeah. it is not so incredible, Yeah. right? Yeah. And I think it's only recently that I've been coming across that, oh, men that break stereotypes are being recognized, but it is so rare. So I think the environment and the context and the what you value as yeah. a society, has a big role to play as well. Yeah. So um, when you kind of realize that you've grown to a place where, you know, now you're this empowered person and, and you know, you were being the elder child of the family, not defined by, you know, your gender and all of that, um, but I think that is the time that your father also fell ill yeah. and you had to grow to a space of being the primary caregiver and you sort of took that seriously as well as you also felt burdened by the fact that there was this huge 
expectation of girls can do everything yeah right yeah. so talk a little about that so i'll talk about a st- i'll first talk about a story of my college going days when i went in a typical dtc bus and uh, i was uh, molested and i had to raise my voice i had to slap the person i had to get violent and um, and yet so so i i got the bus to halt um, and um, i reacted the way that i knew i needed to react and was horrified to discover that everybody was trying to calm me down rather than, than take, the take the person into task and i had no vocabulary i had no way of making this known to anyone that this is the experience that i'm having and this is not okay mm. right mm. there was also i'm i'm talking about late 80s and early 90s, 90s. so it is uh, it, it was a different world on another occasion i was wearing a short skirt which was no no for an yeah. 18 year old in, in that time yeah punjabi bag in delhi absolutely and i was walking back from a lane that was not uh frequented frequented and uh, a young boy came on a cycle mm. ruffled my hair and mm. just went now on the face of it this is nothing but i was violated and outraged and i ran after him and i pulled him down and as i pulled him down i was equally afraid i was like what if he attacks me and what if i'm not able to counter it back right and this is a lonely place and i was so enraged i came back home i i was able to i was lucky that he wasn't he didn't get aggressive he was taken aback and i could shout and whatever and come back when i came home my i i remember my mother and my grandmother sitting in the whatever area and there was a big jug of water and i just took that jug of water and you know like in a very dramatic way oh, drank, drank from the from jug the because i just needed to calm down calm yeah. down cool down and my mother got anxious and she said what happened and da 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 and she was worried and then i told both of them my dadi my grandmother her response my mother was trying to calm me down which was also an important thing to do and my grandmother said godde pandene si in punjabi that is you should have broken his knees um i think in encouraging me to stand up and not be cowed down i did build my masculine muscles but i did also atrophy my feminine i i get that i didn't learn to take help i didn't learn to accept my vulnerability and both are equally important right Yeah. You know, when you're talking about this, I'm remembering the first time I was uh, assaulted or uh, whatever. I w- I was 6 years old 
and um, we were on a farm in uh, in Uttarakhand. My parents and I, we had, it was some army officer's farm, and I was being shown around the farm by a 14-year-old boy, mm. right? So he was bhaiya for me, mm. right? And um, I remember one, and he used to take me out in the evenings, used to be dark, and you know, that time there was no concept of child safety or molestation, no concept hi nahi tha. So um, he said to me one day that uh, we were there for three nights. So on the first day, he said, you want to see a bhoot? I'll show you a bhoot after it's dark. So I was like, not really. Actually, I'm not this thing. But by the second night or whatever, I had gotten sufficiently curious about the bhoot, right? So he said, we have to hide behind some bushes after it's uh, dark and then the bhoot will come. So we're hiding behind these bushes. And at night, and he um, hands me his private parts to hold, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I was like, why am I doing this? So he said, if you won't do this, then the booth won't come. <laughs> so I was like, all right. And uh, and the next thing, uh, you know, I'm not liking this experience. And the next thing I know, he has his hands inside my, um, you know, my underwear. And immediately I just got up and I said, I, I'm not doing this for booth or no booth. And I ran back, but you know, there was nobody I told that to. Because I knew that there would be, somehow it would all come back on me, right? It wasn't safe. It wasn't safe for how many years? And I think that is, that is I mean, also like a burden, right? That's, that's So the same person, I was, whatever, 18, to ride my dad's scooter, and it wasn't in tip-top shape. Uh, for whatever reasons. There was an unarticulated expectation that you will wear trousers or salwar because now that you are 18, 18. your legs should be covered. covered. And it was sometimes not unarticulated, it was said also. And I remember that I used to have this, that same skirt. <laughs> I was riding um, that, and in Punjabi Bagh, my scooter stalled. And I got off, and I was trying to repair it, because I knew that knew I could, to, yeah. right? So I have been blessed with the confidence and the skills, skills. to do this. Good. But I was parked under a tree, and I was bending over my scooter, and somebody passed me by and hit my bum. I don't know who that was. And right. this is the first time that I'm telling this story. I didn't want to tell anyone. Not for the fear of that. One, I would be told, why were you wearing a short skirt? Why were you bending over in that particular place? Possibly. But if I told someone, what if my privileges would be withdrawn? withdrawn. What if I was told that you cannot take the scooter anymore? Yeah. It's yeah. not safe for you. Yeah. I didn't want to lose that. So I might as well not share. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this whole idea of the emotional burden, um, did it come to you mainly? I mean, you're, you're talking about all these little things, but um, when you actually started looking after your dad, 
um, did did it was that when you know you you spoke about the fact that that showed you the idea of all the little 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 things that women do and plus caregiving which is like a whole other thing and you have you have to kind of marry both of them and process them on your own in a way that is so patriarchy kills many people in many ways while it was a blessing to be in a gender agnostic home and i grew up believing that i was it my gender didn't matter i was the first born and i was the responsible one and i had to do what i had to do um when my dad was ill my mom tried to protect us from the information but we knew that something was going wrong he was unwell and my mother was the primary caregiver to my dad and i made meaning of my household that my job is to take care of them both of them both of them and my job is to step up yeah not just them but step up for my grandparents step up for my um, brother brother and it is not his job because he's the son it is my job and that requires you to be of a certain kind and i think the elder son in a patriarchal system has to push aside his emotions to be the successor to be the provider there is no space for the self of that person you just have to do the duty you became that i became that so my job was to do well and step up and provide and i just took that on without any question i didn't have the time or space to say what does this mean for me emotionally who am i what do i want it is secondary it is probably irrelevant not as important and i think this happens this happens for men in every household in as much as emotional labor or other things happen for women, women in caring for the family providing a nurturing home and so on and so forth so the deadening of emotions the deadening of emotions or the, the your incapacity to acknowledge it to respond to it so uh there 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 was no space there was just so much to be done anyway because of you know like i i needed to build a career i needed to uh, make sure that um you know we were getting over our financial crisis uh, or at least just be responsible for myself yeah 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 um again it was a gift that my mom said you need to be a financially independent woman irrespective yeah uh so whether or not whatever came next i needed to be a financially independent woman and what a gift yeah, yeah. uh but i think that later and i have spoken about this earlier as well that 
um, you know, on the day my dad passed, in that setting, that trauma, and that everything, as my dad had to be taken to the crematorium, my grandmother, who had lost her Shravan Kumar-like only son after years of illness, was very clear and directive when she said, Bhavna, kanda tu dein, vada putar, tu hai. Incredible for a woman of her, her times. times. Even yesterday I was talking to someone else who remembered this event and was like, what a gift. Yeah. But you know, it's a two-sided thing. It's a gift, without doubt. I, I did get the privilege, but it also took away a lot from me. Such as what? It took away my right to be a daughter. It took away my privilege to be protected, to be cared for, because I was the carer. I was the provider. I was the elder. So it was a gift. It is a gift. But it comes with a price. But um, that's, you know, that's, that's uh, very uh, stark uh, sort of way of saying it, you know, the, the, the privilege to be cared for. I, 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 can't, I can't imagine that. But, you know, you're saying this not with a sense of entitlement, which generally, um, you know, the men who exercise the privilege, they get cared for, right? They, yeah. they, get, they get the privilege of the elder, but they also do get cared for. Yes, but there's a whole, but, but infrastructure, there's a whole that infrastructure that supports them, right? Yeah. But in your case, you still had to figure out your own family, your own, you know, relationship, all of that. Um, so a strong woman is different from a dutiful, strong man. <laughs> yeah. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. So you lose certain privileges. Yeah. 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 So, and I, I would think necessarily that for a strong woman, uh, the kind of partner also that uh, you need or that works for you is very different from what the, you know, the stereotypical partner would be where the man is a provider, the woman is a care, you know, giver yeah. and a homemaker. So tell me a little bit about that, um, you know, chapter in your life. Uh, still evolving, <laughs> <laughs> as you can imagine. Uh, yeah. So I think I, um, I was a young woman in times when um, it was rare and it was unusual to, uh, to, to be unmarried, to be single. I really right. envy today's times. Yeah where women can uh, have their own. There were, a v there were very, very few. Of course, there were. There were. Yeah. There were, but yeah. they, they were so few. And I always had this tension of being this dutiful person. But mm. I was a woman, so I had to be rebellious. So I think I had to 
keep making choices of yeah. when and where to be rebellious and when and where to be dutiful. Yeah, yeah. Right? Absolutely, I totally get that. So, if I took a s- certain stance, I, at some point I had to give in to the whole thing of saying, okay, ab shaadi kar lo, settle ah. ho jao, kind ah. of a thing. Ah, right. So then I said, okay, then, you know, yeah. who? Who? Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah. Or when? When? You know, what's in my control? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, again, a gift and a privilege that I had a voice. And I recently wrote about this that uh, uh, my dad on his last day told me my mom was really under, I think, social pressure that I should be married because he had few days and that was the right thing to do. To, to do. Uh, so I was very frustrated. I didn't feel I was ready for a marriage. And my dad told me, he says, you don't have to marry whether for me or whether or not I'm around. Yeah. I mean, again, a gift. Yeah. Uh, because you could be compelled to, like, circumstances are for this. Um, but I had a voice and I could say that I, this is not okay. It did gnaw at me later that if I did it, then I did it. You know, he would have been happy, yeah. etc. But it is what it is. Um, I was getting older. <laughs> and uh, the number of men who, <laughs> who <laughs> had access to prospects. <laughs> were likely prospects who would tick off all the, all the QRs <laughs> were getting smaller and smaller. And, yeah. you know, like my mother had a list and I had a list. <laughs> and very, very little matched between the two, right? Well, some did match, and but the list was long. Long, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So uh, mm, I, I married my friend. And I think companionship... Uh, outweighed everything everything else yeah um yeah. and if it could be a, a healthy amicable yeah. <laughs> resolution like meeting some of certain criteria, criteria yeah. as much as meeting my criteria then i think it was uh, yeah uh, i didn't get into many details yeah i didn't get into uh, i was like what's the big thing yeah yeah and i think Somebody has said this uh, many that one of the biggest decisions modern women can take is the partner that they have. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, for me, Gaurav has been very supportive as a friend uh, and as somebody who appreciates and values me for who I am. And I think that. And that's what my dad said on his last night as well. He said, so whenever you are ready, just think, give Gaurav a thought. <laughs> <laughs> Pressure. Wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, and yeah. Because he'd been a friend he'd for a while a friend, and yeah. he'd been around. So, um, And that's great that, you know, yeah. uh, your father also did kind of give his blessing to the relationship in that way. Yeah. Which yeah. is, yeah. some days I feel good about it, some days not. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah. The thing is that, yeah. He said something which is in line with what we just discussed, which is uh, Gaurav is the kind of guy who will care for you. Yeah. Okay? And he probably thought that I needed that. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Um, All of us need that. uh, But for whatever reasons, I don't even have... I, I 
don't have the luxury of uh, completing that conversation yeah. with yeah. him. But yeah. I can imagine some things and he would have wanted uh, whatever. I really appreciate the fact that I can be myself. Yeah. Okay. So for our college reunion, for example, uh, which was in Goa, I rode my motorcycle to from Bombay to Goa alone. Nice. nice. And uh, Gaurav happens to be a batch senior to me. He came later. One of my batch mates, okay, so you can imagine, my classmate asked him, Tum isko rokte kyun nahi ho? Okay? Mm. And uh, Gaurav's response was, Tum rok ke dek <laughs> First of, yeah. can you imagine? First of asking, asking this question, this, yeah. it, like as if the husband is supposed, supposed to do, to, yeah, exactly. rein her in, in right? Yeah, yeah. The shrew. Yeah. <laughs> but he could have responded. Yeah. He could have dis dis yeah. responded in so many ways, but he chose to respond like this, and th I think that's precious to me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, of course, we have our differences. And of course, uh, as I'm evolving, there are things that he grapples with and there are things that I grapple with. It's not perfect. Uh, yeah. It's far from perfect. And we have our struggles. And there are so many things that we have not said to each other or we uh, deal with it. So it's not just perfect, but it helps to focus on the good stuff. Absolutely. So I mean, I, you know, I, I really value the fact that, you know, you're saying that you married a friend and that for you was paramount because while, see, I married my childhood sweetheart. So I've been with the same guy since I was 16 and how boring is that? But, um, you know, um, when I, 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 when I was young, for me, the marriage and the guy was the escape route. Right? As for me? No, it was the escape route from my parents. Mm -hmm. You know? So... I now, you know, when you talk about the fact that in this day and age, w women can choose to stay single or choose to be liberated or have whichever form of family that they choose yeah. or, or yeah. lives, that concept was not there. In our, in our, I mean, for me, getting away necessarily meant there has to be a man. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, the, it was the whole, I, I never thought of... How can I even survive on my own? That question didn't arise. And so, yeah. you know, I think that is also an invisible burden that is necessarily placed on women and girls at a very, very young age, right? I'm reminded of my friend who came from a very traditional family. And she said that I have no other choice. So I'm talking about a friend. She says, invisible burden. Uh, as a daughter of the household, my responsibility to my parents is to get married and be happy. Yeah. And get the burden off them. Off, yeah. Now, what are the choices that I have? I am going to get married into these possible... Families. I've seen my sisters get married, so I know yeah. these are the possible partners yeah. I can have. So I'm going to optimize on whatever constraints yeah. that I have. Yeah. <laughs> and... Can I optimize on that? So I think women were under, were or are under pressure to optimize for the constraints that they are offered. Yeah. Yeah? And they do. Yeah. They don't talk about it. And they optimize for their constraints. 
but you know coming back to um, you know the fact that you actually started this organization around um, caregiving yeah. right and the sort of the ge the genesis or the seed of that was probably at the time when you assumed that role of you know caregiver and you saw in very granular detail all the different aspects that go into what a caregiver also needs That's for right. themselves right yeah. and this you're saying from a very empowered privileged space because yeah. here you were you were working you were you know the elder one you were yeah. given all this seniority but unfortunately the sad truth particularly in our country it's actually there for women everywhere whether they are caring for a child whether they are caring for the family whether they are caring for the elderly or the invalid uh, but the the sad truth is that most of this caregiving as such is unpaid and unrecognized and unvalidated even it's yeah. it's it's very very taken for granted so what changes do you find have there been over the years in how that aspect of reality is perceived and dealt with thank you for bringing that up um i'm going to try if i miss something yeah 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 bring me back yeah. um because i can go down one rabbit hole <laughs> yeah 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 sure sure and uh, okay um you know i was the idea of gender and the fact that gender was not a criteria for me gives me a very interesting lens yes i can belittle myself for that that i don't see gender but in that i don't see gender there is some value as well absolutely yeah mm. so i used to always have a nagging uh reaction when there would be a narrative like workplace i was an hr professional at a workplace at a time when um, initially gender was not a thing but somewhere mid gender started becoming a thing yeah and the business narrative was it's a good business case to have more women at the workplace because women are more emotionally intelligent women are better at multitasking women are more nurturing etc 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 and that's good for businesses i found it very odd that this should be the domain of a gender it is not men are equally emotionally intelligent men are great at caregiving men are great at nurturing and to think that you get that more in women is like saying only men are psychopaths and serial killers women <laughs> are not which is not true women are equally good at that too <laughs> uh, <laughs> are, oh yes <laughs> like everything else right so it's a fundamental human thing thing which has now been boxed into gender and so unfairly yeah you there is so much narrative about oh you know 
women are as good at math and stem and women can do rocket science and da 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 you know that mm. that yeah. that whole thing is there yeah uh which is true but it is not a it is not, not a gender, a gender thing. thing it's not a gender criteria at all and it is equally cool and equally great for women to not want to do that and to want to do art and to want to do beautiful things and to want to do caring things which are not stem or math yeah it's just a question that some are oriented one way and, and some, some are oriented another yeah. way and they can merge or not as much as it is true for men absolutely but we make a business case or we make a compelling case because those are easier communication and which is why it has always been very hard for me to say like oh you vi women are good at multitasking for example and i think these are all traps not necessary yeah yeah i had reached a point um so a link to the whole thing is that my dad was 54 when he passed that's a very young age yeah and he would have been 47 48 when he was diagnosed with uh, multiple system atrophy and my mother was 49 when he passed as old as i am today i had to go to multiple offices and um, or to submit the death certificate or to procure the death certificate in which every time i had to say how old he was if i spoke about him invariably everybody would ask so how old was he how does that matter i don't know but mm. it probably does mm. so the number 54 was seared in my okay. heart head wherever and i think multiple things informed that one of which was i don't know if i will live that long okay and what if i don't and if i don't how will i know that i lived a life of purpose hmm so i decided to take a break from my corporate career and say if i had the next 15 years was the only time that i had what would i do with my life and which is what led to saying that i wanted to definitely do something for the greater good social that had a social angle to it that i wasn't just living to pay my bills um and i had done for my family but what did yeah. i do for me what did i do for others and um i wanted to uh, also honor my dad and that's how i started a a group for people affected with multiple system atrophy and very soon i realized i was incompetent at running that because uh uh i didn't look after my dad i looked after the system system i looked after my mom who was looking after my dad so i was the caregiver to the caregiver and uh i also realized that people affected with multiple system atrophy was just so few and if you abstract it you realize that medical conditions have a role to play but the common denominator across is the caregiver and we live in a society where the caregiver is invisible and unrecognized Absolutely. there is no term 
for the word caregiver in any Indian language. So if you were to do a Google search, you will come up with terms like Dekhbhal Karta, Sevak, Sahayak, Timardar. If I ask in a group, people will say, who's the caregiver? They will say, Ma. Yeah? There is no term for a caregiver. But there is a caregiver in every home. Most likely a woman. Yeah. Yeah? I was not so focused on the gender aspect initially. Yeah? But I didn't see myself as a young caregiver until my mom pointed that out to me. And I think a caregiver's journey is unpredictable, lonely, and very, very challenging. Yeah. Because there are no safe spaces to talk about the disappointment, the resentment, the guilt, the shame, the horror of being a long-term caregiver. It holds you back from your dreams. It holds you back from your potential. It can potentially, um, it can potentially erode your well-being. Well-being, yeah. 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 And if it is just thrust upon you and not recognized, I. Th just like an avatar, right? You, yeah. I see you, is the best way to heal another person. Absolutely. The best way to recognize caregivers is to be able to see them for who they are not for the valor and the, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, the fact that they are Savitri and they brought the husband back from the dead, but because they just go through what they go through. True. Not every woman is able to bring her husband back from the dead. Absolutely. No, and you know, it is um, also in India, sadly, the caregiving aspect is taken over by someone who is weak, who is not empowered the way the rest of the family or rest of everyone is empowered and most likely that person is financially vulnerable and weak. So um, in your experience with, with caregiver Sathi, um, is, there, is there something that has um, emerged, you know, are, are there some insights that have emerged about, you know, what what can be done or what are, you know, strategies to combat that or if, you know, 10 years from now, society inevitably will move towards a system where we can monetize, you know, the role of that caregiving. Have those conversations happened? Yeah. I think, uh, I think we need to address it at the, at the level of education, yes. at the level of profession. Yeah. So education, certainly. Uh, for example, in the um, uh, Scandinavian countries, uh, uh, housekeeping or uh, what is equivalent of home science is taught to boys and girls equivalently, right? Yeah. Yeah. Whereas we know how home science is taught in India. In India, yeah. Yeah, how yeah. it is treated. Yeah. I remember being very biased against home science when I was growing up. Today, I... Yeah, I wish I had learned those skills yeah. <laughs> because it is right. It's an important part of who we are. We yeah. need a safe, nurturing family and home for us to be the people that we can be. Yeah, and it takes a whole machinery to run that, and there is that nurturance and emotional space that a home, a good home, provides that Absolutely. makes better adults. 
that's right. a backbone of everything that's right yeah. but we we just take that for granted yeah so caregiving is uh, definitely done because it's just assumed that uh, you know it, women are so good at it it just comes yeah, naturally, naturally to them yeah, it's not right. true i can say from my <laughs> point <laughs> i have to work very very hard uh, because i haven't built those muscles yeah. yeah it just so happens that most girl children build, build those, those muscles, muscles over a long period of time and if i look at between my husband and i i think he's a better caregiver because he has built those muscles uh, much more so it's a gen it's it's not gender, a gender thing yeah, uh, yeah. at all uh the other things are that um let's look at it from uh, an economics and labor standpoint so we we went through the industrial revolution and that industrial revolution automated physical labor and things changed we got machines to do a set of things things changed where did the premium of labor then shift to the premium on labor shifted to intellectual labor right mm. so you had knowledge workers you had people who could code you had people who could put in ideas abstract communicate all of which was intellectual work so suddenly intellectual labor became more valuable mm. than physical, physical labor, labor because many more machines can do the physical thing and now with the advent That's of changing yes AI. ai and ml and many other things intellectual labor is going to become commoditized as did physical labor absolutely and what is going to make the difference right if i can reach out and touch, touch you. you if i can help you heal in helping you heal i can heal, heal myself, myself because we all need to heal from our life yeah however beautiful and empowered and liberated it is absolutely yeah absolutely. so now is the time for recognizing valuing and dignifying emotional labor labor absolutely i so agree uh, bhavna that is so profound i also read somewhere that some country where you contribute a certain number of hours uh, while you are young and able so that when you are old uh, this is sort of a library of of uh, depositing those hours of bank bank yeah bank so switzerland and Switzer netherlands yeah uh, have a government run program in yeah. which you can do this uh, so that has been driven by um, uh, by by the government and it is also driven by their aging demographic so it's a it's a nice way to support young adults and uh, the aging population there are multiple best practices there there are some attempts at a uh, at a similar thing in india we run that uh, as well and uh, i believe very strongly that with the increasing nuclear families yes and with fragmented communities or you know cosmopolitan moving uh, diaspora there is no way there is no space our education system you're not learning how to care for someone absolutely you're living not. in small homes you're not seeing intergenerational um, you know individuals who are ailing or aging you're not supporting grandparents so you don't know you don't learn anything which one would have normally learned by 
in the course, in of, the growing course up. of growing up. Yeah. Yeah? yeah. So because it's not naturally happening, we need to design systems that will make it happen. Right. So students need to have encounters with vulnerable people because they are not going to get that in their homes. Yeah. 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 Which is why we need to have a different governance, we need to have a different education system, we need to have different workplaces and so on and so forth. And what do you think is the role of men? Because while you know all these things are talked about in the realm of women and um, you know everyone knows the, uh, the narrative about the multitasking woman and all of that and, and the burden, but what is the role of men going to necessarily have to come around to doing in the next few years? One of the things that I have, um, I have really learned to value from my story is that all of us sit on a privilege of some kind. The first thing is to acknowledge that privilege. So if men can acknowledge the privilege that they have. For example, I was in Budapest and I saw these young men bare-chested on uh, skates. Mm. The fact that they could just simply go about a public space in their whatever choice, <laughs> doing whatever that they wanted to do, I don't think they had any idea of the kind of privilege that they had. Yeah. And that is also true for old pot-bellied men who come out of the swimming pool <laughs> thinking nothing <laughs> uh, because, you know, they are right. not bound by, by any body shaming. shaming. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, and that's a privilege. Absolutely. They don't have to shave their anything. <laughs> and Yeah. Right? right. <laughs> so men need to acknowledge their privilege. And at the same time, tell the stories of their oppression. So storytelling or talking about your story and understanding your story, opening your eyes to your story is very, very important. Yeah. In every privilege is hidden a price that people have had to pay. Absolutely, that's so, so well said. I think that it is very, very important that we recognize the price that we are paying for being who we are and for the privilege that we are sitting on. And uh, you remember, we come from the same time. So in Durdarshan, there used to be that ek chiriya, an ek chiriya. We will not be able to fly until we will all fly. Yeah. So we cannot just make the effort of us individually flying. All of us have to fly together. And only then can we carry the oppression of that net. That's so true. That's yeah. So men have to do it in a certain way, but they have to tell their stories and they have to recognize their privilege. And I think women also have to recognize the privilege of being the protected and cared for and yeah. whatever, yeah. in whichever ways. Yeah. So not just tell the stories of your oppression, but tell the stories of... Your liberation the, as well. The yeah. pampering. Yeah. yeah? And why not? Yeah. The opportunity that you can have a lifetime to spend on art and not have to worry to earn a penny. Right. Right? 
That's true. Thanks a lot, uh, Bhavna. It's really been uh, very nice going through this entire journey of you know evolution, growing up, and learning um, a whole lot of you know very nuanced things about who we are and how we are. It's been wonderful having you with me. Thank mm. you so much. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity.